We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What is going on, Colts Nation? Welcome back to another episode of Bring the Juice. Your guys, Cody and Derek, we are back for another one, guys. And in today's episode, we are going to do a little bit of a recap of the Colts 2023 offseason. A lot has happened since the 2022 season came to an end earlier this year. And so we kind of wanted to talk about it, talk about all the things the Colts had done. Not every like little minute move, but kind of some of the more notable moves for the Indianapolis Colts. The moves that we think will, you know ultimately impact them either positively or negatively. So without further ado, we got a lot to get into today, guys. We'll just jump right into it and talk about after the Colts, uh, you know, unfortunate season last year, uh, you know, there was a lot of stuff that did happen. And I guess the first thing starting off in March was the Indianapolis Colts re-signed defensive end Tyquan Lewis to a contract extension on the 13th of March. Um, Derek, we've talked about it before with Tyquan Lewis. I mean, just a guy that, you know, has had some nice moments with Indianapolis, has had some injuries, unfortunately. And uh, this is kind of feels like for him, you know, the last kind of thing here, last chance here with Indianapolis. Yeah, it's definitely, I mean, we were all in on, you know, trying to bring a Tyquan Lewis back, you know, with the option of him being a great depth piece and having that opportunity because, the sad part about the Taekwon Lewis stuff is, you know, he's been a fairly reliable depth piece for you when he's available. But the only problem is, is again, the same issue we had with Paris Campbell the whole time. Like we were talking about how Paris Campbell, he was good when he was on the field. Just the only thing is, is he wasn't on the field very much for a while. So, you know, do you, you know, want to continue to try to keep a guy like that around? But we know, we know how, Chris Ballard, uh, we know how Chris Ballard feels about Tyquan Lewis. I mean, just go back and listen to him and talk uh, about him and these pressers and these conferences and all this stuff. You know, I mean, he doesn't, he always says that like Tyquan's always like a, an extra spurt of energy in the defensive line unit uh, when he's out there, you know? So it's important to have guys like that. Obviously a high character guy, if through all of this, Chris Ballard is still wanting to try to give Tyquan Lewis a chance because, I mean, you remember when he first started with the Colts, it wasn't off to a good start. Um, he he played a little bit, then got benched, didn't play at all. He was a healthy scratch, and then got hurt. And then, you know, they had those heart-to-heart conversations with each other, and then Tyquan Lewis really changed himself. And, uh you know, hopefully we can keep Tyquan Lewis around just hopefully this year. Um, he stays healthy the whole year and actually can provide some good quality depth for this team on the defensive line. Yeah, for sure. And we'll see, you know, as you know, we look at this offseason recap and we get a little bit further into it. The Colts brought back Tyquan Lewis, but it's very clear they're not relying on him to be a key piece of this defensive line. I kind of look at it as like like how you probably should have approached, and unfortunately the Colts didn't, and it worked out. But I felt like last year when it came to Paris Campbell, just because of the injury history, you needed to approach it like he wasn't even necessarily like on the roster. 
And like, if he comes back and he's great, then awesome. But I feel like the Colts kind of approached it that way this time when it comes to Tyquan Lewis, because I mean, two major injuries back to back years, that's huge. I mean, that that's nothing to just dismiss, you know? So I really feel like Tyquan Lewis is a guy that, uh, you know, you bring him in, you bring him back on a one-year deal, his second one-year deal in a row. And, you know, you hope he can get back to there, but you're not relying on that. And I mean, that's why you signed him for virtually nothing. Um, you bring him back with the hope he can be, you know, that player he was a couple of years ago when he was healthy. And if he is, that's a great bonus. But if not, I guess it's like no harm, no foul. You signed him to a couple million. So, yep. Cool. All right, let's uh, move on now to the second move the Colts made. They also made another re-signing. They brought back linebacker EJ Speed on a contract extension on a couple of days later on the 15th. And Derek, I think this was one that we were really hoping for with the whole Bobby Okereke, which we'll talk about. Bobby Okereke leaving in free agency. We were really hoping the Colts would keep one of these two guys. And EJ Speed's a guy... You know, he's got the physical tools. We, all, we obviously remember Colts drafted him in 2019 at Tarleton State. Was a very raw guy. Sat behind some of these really good linebackers for a number of years. And then I felt like, especially last year, got more of an opportunity to show what he could do. And uh, I really felt like it was key for your linebacker room. You know, he's really the next guy up on the linebacker crew. He can play some special teams. And he just has a lot of the physical tools that you like. So talk to me about EJ Speed and why you felt like this was a re-signing the Colts probably needed to make. Well, I mean, from a depth standpoint, of course, that made the most sense. You know, you lost one of your best linebackers uh, on your team and you didn't get anything in return. And then you had the option of potentially losing your fourth linebacker to go along with it. So obviously you knew from, you know, from the standpoint of the number one linebacker and the number two linebacker, that being Shaq Leonard and Zaire Franklin, you are still in a good spot, but at the end of the day, you don't want to lose your number three and number four linebacker because then depth becomes a major concern. And then along with the, the other needs of this team, you didn't want to add linebacker on top of it. So you needed to try to bring in a guy that understood the, that obviously understands your defense, knows how to play and, you know, has those physical intangibles that you always look for. And EJ speed fits all of that. And like I said, I'm, I'm, I'm amazed that EJ speed even decided to stay with us. Uh, I thought that, you know, EJ speed may not uh, stick around for very long, but then again, he is still a young guy uh, just entering free agency for the first time. So uh, I hope that after this year, I'm sure after his contract, once he gets more snaps at linebacker, which he's going to get this year because of the fact that now he's the number three, so he's going to get some extra snaps. Hopefully he decides to want to stick around, but my guess is that EJ Speed's going to have some really good years ahead of him because of everything that he has. So hopefully all is good. I'm super glad that EJ Speed is back because, I mean, we saw from the Arizona game, in 2021. If you don't think EJ Speed is it, go watch the Arizona game. His first start ever as a linebacker in the NFL led the team with 10 tackles. So I just, I mean, if that doesn't tell you that he's ready for this, then I don't. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. I don't know what is. 
Yep, but he made some key plays along the way last year, you know, kind of filling in when Shaq was down. And, you know, obviously you had Bobby and Zaire, but I felt like he kind of fit that role really well and played well in spurts. So I'm excited to see him get a more extended opportunity. And the fact that you brought him back, Derek, for $4.5 million per year, you signed him to a two-year deal worth $9 million. I mean, Derek, you're paying him in two years less than Bobby Okereke is making in one year with the Giants. Bobby Okereke signed a four-year deal over $40 million. So that's tremendous value for a guy that, like, yeah, it's probably going to be a little bit of a step down right away in production. But EJ Speeds is still a really good player, and you got him exponentially cheaper than he would have gotten Bobby Okereke for. Yep, absolutely. I mean, it just goes to show you. I mean, it's. I mean, I love Bobby Okereke. Of course, he's the better linebacker, but I mean, you're right. I mean, it's one of those situations where you know you had to be careful with your. Uh, you had to be careful with the money that you're spending. And of course, you know, if you can get a, a linebacker in EJ speed that can cover even half the role of what it is that Bobby O'Karake was asked to do and pay less than half the money for him, then that's, that's a great deal. Yeah, totally agree with that. And so we move on. I mean, there's a couple like smaller moves here. I mean, you brought in Cardo O'Donnell, uh, you brought him back on a contract extension. Not a whole lot to talk about there with that one. Um, you obviously re-signed Tony Brown as well the next day. But here's a couple guys that were you know, key for better or for worse for the Colts last year. Were key parts to that team and what they did on both sides of the ball. The first off was Stephon Gilmore. He got traded to the Dallas Cowboys. Um, and you didn't get a ton out of him, but you saved a lot of money in trading him. And he got a lot younger. Um, you, you, you traded away. You... Uh, Gilmore and he received a 2023 fifth round pick, the 176 overall pick from Dallas. Um, and then obviously you released Matt Ryan as well. Talk to me about these two guys and kind of what it means for the Colts to, uh, you know, move on from both these individuals here. Yeah. I mean, again, you had to, you had to make it work when it came to that. Um, and of course, when Stephon Gilmore wanted to go, I think it was just due to the fact that, you know, Gilmore's at the back end of his career. He wanted to be with a contender. And so the Colts honored that and said, okay, well, we'll give it away. We'll at least be able to uh, get some draft compensation out of it, whatever that may be. And then on top of it, uh, still be able to uh, save some cap. And I mean, at the end of the day, I mean, that fifth round pick turned out to be Darius Rush, right? So, I, I mean, think it was Evan know, Hall, actually. One seventy six uh, pick. One seventy six was yeah, Evan Hall. So, but okay. still, like a receiving back, which what you needed. So you turned it. And into you were thump, still thump. able to get one of your key corners in that fifth round because of that extra pick that you were able to acquire. I mean, it's just like you know, you had to do what you had to do. Uh, it's it's that kind of way in this league, and you know the Colts are one of the more the Colts are one of the more forefront organizations in understanding guys' circumstances and you know giving them what they really really need, and that was really that was really awesome of Ballard to be willing to do that. Um, and then I mean we could care less about face on at this point, but at right. the end of the day, we uh you we knew going into this draft that the Indianapolis Colts were gonna you know fill out the cornerback position with the draft. We knew that they needed to, uh, you know, it made it more apparent than what it already was. But at the end of the day, um, it, it turned out really good for Indianapolis. They, they got some extra draft compensation out of it. They sent Stephon Gilmore to the NFC where they don't have to see him until potentially a Super Bowl run. If in fact they did go. And then, uh, at the draft, you know, they were able to acquire all these extra picks to fill in that role. So at the end of the day, it all works out. Uh, we'll just have to see how it works for Indianapolis this season with all these young guys. Yeah. And then, you know, just with the timeline of where your franchise is right now, and that leads into the Matt Ryan thing. Right. You release Matt Ryan, you draft Anthony Richardson, you completely, you know, change the trajectory. I mean, I think it was pretty much um, a lock that Matt Ryan wasn't coming back to Indianapolis with the money he was owed and how poorly he played last year. Um, and just the timeline of where the Colts are, you know, are, you look at them now, like just where the timeline is. Um, I don't think we were too surprised that Matt Ryan was released, were we? Yeah, no, no, we weren't. <laughs> <laughs> Not at all. And then um, a couple of days later, the Colts actually uh, signed their backup quarterback or potential, you know, bridge starter Gardner Minshew as a free agent. I thought the best free agent option at quarterback at that current time, um, a guy that's going to come in, he's going to compete. 
And I guess worst case scenario for him, he is the you know backup guy to you know who the Colts will draft, who, who we'll talk about. Uh, talk to me about Gardner Minshew and kind of this signing and what this means for the Colts. Yeah, I mean it was definitely one of the uh, it was definitely one of the best uh, free agent signings. I mean, and and I think it was one of the best ones altogether. I mean, Gardner Minshew coming over from a system in with Shane Steichen, who he already knows how Shane Steichen likes to work. He knows that what it takes to be in that system, and Gardner Minshew, who if ever came to the possibility that that Gardner Minshew would have to start uh, has that potential ability to win you a football game. He's not going to cost you a football game like Nick Foles and Matt Ryan did last year, several times over Uh, there were uh, Gardner Minshew is a much stronger uh, quarterback in mentality and just swagger in general. So I I like Gardner Minshew in this, uh, and then on top of it, I mean, again, he's he worked with Anthony Richardson in the offseason, so he already, before he even gets to the building this offseason, knows uh, a little bit about Anthony Richardson, already was giving him pointers. So these guys know each other really well. I mean, they'll mix really well together. So, you know, with the Colts getting Anthony Richardson, it just makes all the other stuff this offseason with Gardner Minshew with seeing Anthony Richardson already working with him and being in the building just makes makes it so much easier for Anthony Richardson specifically because he knows he's going to have a guy in there that he knows uh, and doesn't have to have that potential awkwardness when they go into the building for the first time and are practicing together and watching film because they already understand each other pretty well. So uh, it's great. Uh, Gardner Minshew is a great one. He's got a lot of veteran leadership. He knows what it takes to win football games. He knows it. And it's going to be a great mentor for uh, Anthony Richardson and a great player for Indy. Yeah, for sure. And then the next guy that the Colts brought in, um, they obviously let Yannick Ngakwe walk in free agency, but they brought in a guy who a lot of people, I think, Derek, view as an upgrade at the edge rusher position, the pass rusher position, and that is defensive end Samson Ebukam or Abukam. I don't know. Abukam, I don't know yeah. how it's pronounced. Abukam. Uh, but anyway, they bring him in on a, on a three-year deal. Um, you know, they look to fill that edge a little bit more. I do feel like if the Colts had their quarterback, they probably would have gone edge pretty, pretty early. They really didn't do a whole lot, you know, in the draft either. So in terms of defensive end, um, but I think a a guy that, uh, really could provide a lot of quality snaps for you. He's probably never going to be that, you know, double digit, you know, 10 to 15 sack type of guy. Maybe he could turn into that, but right now he's not there. That's not kind of he is, but I think he's a guy that's kind of a well-rounded player. And ironically enough, Derek, you know, for how much we say Yannick was great with the Colts last year in terms of, you know, sack numbers, Abuka was actually better in pretty much every metric except for sacks last year with uh, the 49ers. And so he's a guy that comes over. He's 28 years old. He's younger. You know, he's got some of the, the traits that you like as a pass rusher. Talk to me about him and kind of what you know you, you see in him and kind of his fit here with this Colts defense. Um, I mean, you know, it'll be interesting to see what Abukam actually does for this team. Uh, you know, Indy gave him a, a relatively decent haul to come to Indianapolis. And, you know, he uh he said he chose Indianapolis because I mean he was honest about it. He said, uh, I I, I needed the money. You know, I wanted the money. I want uh, to be able to help my family out, want to make sure that I'm in a good position uh, for later in life when uh, this inevitably ends. So, I mean, he was honest about it. I I respect it. But, I mean, the fact, you know, a lot of people, when he got signed, a lot of people thought of him as kind of what Yannick was, where it was Yannick is a guy that on pass rushes, he – is a guy that may not always get all the sacks, but he uh, almost always will get pressure on the quarterback. And that's what Ibukum was in San Francisco, allowing him to do that. Now, will he be the same this year? Because obviously this isn't the 49ers with Nick Bosa, Eric Armstead, and all those other guys on that defensive line. Now, we do have DeForest Buckner, 
but outside of DeForest Buckner, Indianapolis does not have that bona fide stud on that defensive line yet. So, I mean, does that does it become different for Abukum? Because obviously he's going to be he's going to be doing one on ones the whole time. Nobody's focusing on him. Everyone's focusing on Bosa or on Armstead. So, what does that entail for him coming to Indy? But I mean, if he can be that bull rushing, uh, relentless pass rusher on an edge for us, then that's huge uh, for being able to disrupt the pocket on one side, especially on the blind side for uh, the Indianapolis Colts. You know, we absolutely need that. Um, And, you know, we just are trying to find some way that this defensive line unit can be pulled together. Uh, Hopefully it becomes that answer. Yeah. I mean, he is better. He's a, I think he's a well-round player compared to Yannick. Yannick was so bad last year against the run and he he's actually pretty competent against the run and I think he had the best a better pass rush win rate last year than he did. So, I think a lot of people view this and I do as well like an upgrade guy, you know, maybe the sacks won't always be there. You know, maybe they will. Maybe he, maybe this is the year cuz he did come off of a career high year in sacks and all those things, all those metrics. So maybe this is a year that he kind of has that breakout year, if you will, and kind of can be that nice opposite of quitty pay there. I mean, $9 million a year, Derek, that, that's nothing to you know ignore. Uh, that, that's yeah. nothing to just say, ah, oh, it's not really that big of a signing. The Colts do view him as a guy with a lot of upside. So it'll be interesting to see how that does work out. Um, I want to talk about another guy the Colts brought in on the defensive line. That is Taven Bryan. Um, former first round pick of the Jacksonville Jaguars. He kind of figures to be one of those backup guys, you know, whether it's, you know, the backup three tech, whether it's a backup one tech, whatever it is, it seems like he's going to have some sort of role within that interior of the defensive line. And, and Derek, we know how important that is and how much the Colts lacked that last year. So, I mean, you're bringing a guy in Brian who has some experience starting in the league. He obviously has some talent being drafted in the first round. I think he could provide some quality minutes for you back there. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, we need to, you know, make sure that we have all that defensive tackle depth because, you know, we saw last year, I mean, we, the Colts really struggled with the interior defensive line depth. uh, And that's something that needs to be fixed this year. You know, you went and got out of Tommy wall, which we're going to talk about here in a minute. And then, you know, you brought in Tavon Bryant uh, for a few million dollars to help out. And then you had Tyquan Lewis. So, you know, you have all these different guys that can play on the inside and Dio Dangbo, who also can play on the inside with you. So you have a lot of flexibility now at the defensive tackle position that you didn't have before. Uh, just hopefully Indianapolis with uh, with new defensive line coach and Nate Ollie, who is able to actually devise a game plan better than what the Colts had in 2021. Because you remember in 2021, uh, we had a problem with wearing out our best players in uh, DeForest Buckner specifically. Uh, I think DeForest Buckner played like, what, 91, 92% of the snaps all year. So by the end of the year, he was exhausted. He was worn out. He was It was one of those situations where he wasn't getting rest. And, I mean, I know... That's their job. They're not supposed to get a ton of rest, but it does help now that the game is not only a a year longer, you know, you want to make sure or a game longer. I'm sorry. You know, you want to make sure that you have these guys fresh at the end of the year. And the only way to do that is to be able to have guys behind them that are capable of taking a few snaps from them throughout the games that allows for them to get more rest and make it work. So hopefully Tavon Bryant will be that way. I know Tavon Bryant is a lot like a where, you know, the Colts are bringing him in, hopefully to just have him as like a human wrecking ball, you know, try to make madness in the middle of the pocket and make sure that things get uh, clogged up, which I know Indy loves to have happen. So hopefully, uh, hopefully we find something good there. Yeah. And you know, the Colts had their struggles last year against the run as well. So I do hope that like, that is something where Taven Bryan's brought in and he can help in that department. Um, and I also think he has a little bit more juice than we're giving him credit for in terms of getting after the quarterback too. So I'll be interested to see what he does um, and where kind of he factors into this defensive line. But I mean, it's a guy you signed a one-year deal. So, you know, 
what does his kind of role look like? It'll be interesting to see how that works out. But anyway, uh, let's move on now to, uh, crazy enough, the Colts' biggest free agent signing uh, of the entire offseason, probably, if you, know, if you don't count a bookum. Um, that would be kicker Matt Gay. Um, you signed him to one of the biggest uh, contracts we've seen from a kicker in free agency. And, uh, I mean, he's a guy, Derek, that immediately, you know, I put out a tweet uh, a couple months ago now um, about him. And, you know, the last two years, Matt Gay has been 94% overall in his kicks. Compare that with what the Colts have done the last two years, 82%. So that's a 12% increase already that Matt Gay, you know, provides you in terms of special teams. And, you know, we all know how much the Colts have struggled to find their kicker ever since Adam Vinatieri hung it up, right? Yep. They've tried it with Chase McLaughlin. You know, they tried it with Hot Rod. They brought back McLaughlin. And I felt like McLaughlin was solid. But, you know, this is an upgrade. Let's not let's not get it twisted. This is an upgrade from what Chase McLaughlin did for you last year. And you know, Matt Gay is one of the best kickers in the NFL. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it's hilarious thinking back now of what uh, Colts Nation thought of this uh, when this was one of the first moves that Chris Ballard made. Um, It's kind of funny to think back on it now, the amount of people that were like, you did what, Chris Ballard? It was the funniest thing in the world. Um, Listen, I mean, say whatever you want about the contract. At the end of the day, I mean, Matt Gay is one of maybe the – but you can make the argument might be the second uh, most accurate, second best kicker in the entire NFL right now and behind Justin Tucker. And like you said, Cody, we have had how many games over the last four years get cost by us because of uh, bad special teams play, primarily from the kicking perspective. Obviously, last year, Chase McLaughlin uh, was fantastic last year. I mean, we won a lot of games because of Chase McLaughlin. But, I mean, even – but that was his most efficient year by a long shot. Not sure if it was a – you know, if it was an outlier or if that was what he was going to consistently be. But you know Matt Gay was a lot more consistent throughout his career. And if he's going to make 90% of his kicks – then you know that you can rely on this guy so much more. And that's why you want to have him around in this because when games get close and Indy needs those points, then Matt Gay is the one you can rely upon to make those 50-yard kicks or those 40-yard kicks and make them consistently. So I, I don't care about the money. The money is not an issue. It's the finally getting a kicker that will consistently put it through the uprights. Yeah. And Matt Gay has missed less kicks in two years. And McLaughlin missed all of last year. And we thought McLaughlin played pretty well. So McLaughlin missed, he was 36 last year. So missed six kicks and the last two years, Matt Gay has only missed four total kicks. So, I mean, that, that's that's really efficient right there. That's in the high 90s. So, yeah, definitely think that was a major upgrade. I know people didn't love it at first, but uh, I think you look, you're going to look back and be like, wow, you know, the Colts, you know, they won a lot of games. Like, it's going to be kind of the flip side now, hopefully, where the Colts win because of their special teams. They don't lose because of their special teams, right? I mean, just imagine, like, last year, if you had a consistent kicker in week one, you would have won that game. Like, and we've seen in the past, you know, where special teams has come back to bite the Colts and, and so, yeah, I think it's just – it's obviously people don't love – it's not it's not flashy, it's not sexy when you sign a kicker to that deal. But, I mean, it, it's needed. You need a kicker like that. You need a consistent kicker to win in this league. And uh, the Colts get one of the best ones here in Matt Gay, who's still pretty young for a kicker. So, I mean, he's going to hopefully be around for a long time here in Indianapolis. Um, all right, let's move on now to – the Colts signed two receivers. Um, they re-signed one of their own, Ashton Doolin. They brought in Isaiah McKenzie. Talk to me, Derek, about both these guys. We'll start with Doolin first, and then talk to me about Isaiah McKenzie and what they kind of bring, because they're both kind of the a little bit smaller, but also a little bit quicker in terms of receivers. Yeah, uh, obviously Ashton Doolin uh, being resigned is important because you need that um, you need that special teams play from him. Uh, you absolutely needed that, and then when you signed Isaiah McKenzie, that kind of diminish the role out of uh, Ashton Doolin, to be honest, at the wide receivers. 
Um, but it is kind of funny because, uh, you know, also you went and got Josh Downs, which we'll talk about as well. Uh, Ashton Doolin's role in the offense may be extremely uh, diminished because of the additions that the Colts have brought in with the wide receiver group. Uh, I'm sure that Steichen will find a way to get Doolin a few touches throughout the year. But it most likely is not going to be any increase in Doolin's role going forward uh, in the offense. But, of course, Ashton Doolin, you know, from a special teams perspective, he's one of the most important guys out there. And then with Isaiah McKenzie, again, after he got downs, his role probably diminishes a little bit. But uh, McKenzie definitely is going to share some snaps, especially early in the season with uh Josh Downs because Isaiah McKenzie's been there done that a lot more uh and they're practically the same kind of player they're both burners they're both guys that can get open um but McKenzie's definitely going to be a guy that you're going to put on special teams because of just his pure uh, agility and his ability to uh create space so I mean I like the the additions of these two guys uh especially McKenzie because McKenzie, you can use him in both an offensive and a special teams aspect a little bit more. But uh, it, it a lot of that just went down because of who you got in Josh Downs. Right, for sure. And, and you know, Doolin's a little bit bigger than Isaiah McKenzie's six foot one, two fifteen, but he still has a lot of really good speed out there. I mean, we've seen in the past where Doolin's just, you know, ran a vertical and just like, completely just outran defenders. So the Colts have two guys here um, in Doolin and also McKenzie uh, that has some speed that, that provide a little bit of a different kind of receiver, right? In terms of like what they're able to do, the mismatches they're able to create and stuff like that. And also McKenzie's such a good player in the red zone, which is something the Colts really struggled in last year. And so I think he's going to be a great addition there. And you're right. Both these guys can help you on special teams. I mean, Doolin's more of that gunner. McKenzie can do some work in the return game. So, I think both these guys, for as little as you sign them both to, I mean, it makes a lot of sense here for the Colts to get guys that can play some receiver, but can also contribute on special teams. And that's what you really need, man, from your, you know, four, five, six receiver, depending on how many you keep. You need guys that are able to have that kind of flexibility and are able to play a little bit on fourth down. So I really think that uh, bringing back both these guys makes a ton of sense for Indianapolis. And uh, I think it's going to, you know, contribute in a big way, you know, on the offensive side of things, you know, when they do see snaps, but also, you know, on special teams, which does matter as well. Yep, absolutely. All right, let's continue on. Um, Darrington Evans signed as a free agent. Um, we won't really touch on that one, not a whole lot. Pharaoh uh, Brown signed as a free agent as well. Um, more of that blocking tight end, Derek. We'll see kind of how he factors in, but I think out of the bunch the Colts have, he's probably the best guy in terms of just he's able to, you know, provide a lot in the run game and in and, and that department as well. And and I think that's just something that you were kind of missing last year with the uh, departure of Jack Doyle to retirement. You really were missing a guy. We were, we were hoping that Mo Ali Cox would be that guy. Didn't really turn out that way. You were really missing a guy that could, uh, you know, kind of be that inline blocker that you really desperately needed. Yeah, I mean, it'll be interesting to see how Farrell uh, Brown does with all of these tight ends now on the roster. Uh, I mean, we've been talking about this tight end room and what Indianapolis is going to do because. You know, you got so many. I mean, you have so many. I lose track of all the names all the time. Uh, I don't know what to do with them. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see what Indianapolis does going forward uh, with this. Does Mo get moved or lose a contract uh, bonus? Or does, you know, somebody else sneak it? I don't know. At this point, Farrell Brown could be a mixture of any of these guys. Uh, it'll be interesting nonetheless to see what this tight end group does because there's so many of them. I mean, yeah. so many are going to end up losing a spot. Yeah, I know. I, I just, it's hard. It's hard to pick who's going to, who it's going to be because all these guys can provide something for you. But I think Farrell Brown is clearly the the guy that maybe could stick because of his you know ability uh, in the run blocking department. So uh, we'll see on that one. But uh, that was kind of the last guy the Colts kind of signed. There really wasn't a whole lot that went on really before the draft, Derek. But the Indianapolis Colts. Then let's talk about. Let's jump right into the draft. 
I mean, we already know what the Colts were able to do um, in terms of, you know, the players you're able to bring in. Um, you know, they were able to bring in Anthony Richardson um, in the first round, pick number four. We've talked about it a ton, but, you know, with the release of Matt Ryan and the eventual release of Nick Foles, uh, you know, the Colts desperately needed uh, a new fresh face in terms of quarterback. And with how bad the season went last year, the Colts were in a position to pick their guy and uh, definitely had some scares uh, a little bit when Houston traded back up before they knew who it was. But Derek, the Colts were able to get their guy and seems like the guy that they were dead set on, you know, from really the beginning, uh, a guy that they really, really loved, a guy that they hoped would be there and, a guy that they were just ecstatic to bring into this building. I mean, talk about Anthony Richardson and what he's able to provide just from the quarterback position here. Yeah, uh, it's truly uh, it's truly awesome that they were able to get Anthony Richardson at number four and not have to uh, you know trade up and do anything crazy with it. So really awesome that they were able to get the player that they wanted all along. Uh, and of course you talk about it with what Anthony Richardson and Shane Steichen could potentially do together with this offense. Uh, it's truly fantastic. Uh, at the end of the day, we just got to sit back and watch because we know this first year, it's not going to be pretty, but I mean, we've talked so much about Anthony Richardson and what he can provide for this team. Uh, really happy that he is here and hopefully uh, through, you know, a bunch of different work, Maybe, uh, maybe, maybe Anthony Richardson might actually get it together a little bit quicker than maybe some people might realize. Uh, who knows? That's the best case scenario, but we will just have to see. All right, let's move on to the other players the Colts brought in. Um, you know, they 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 drafted a lot of guys. They had twelve picks in this draft, which is just absolutely crazy. Um, the next guy they they drafted, they actually traded down for pick 35 twice, um, and they were able to get their guy, Juju Julius Brents, uh, in the second round, pick number 44 overall. I mean, six foot three, over 200 pounds. I mean, this is definitely a Gus Bradley type of corner here, Derek, the Colts brought in. Yep, 100%. I mean, it was, and he's a senior bowl guy. So, of course, Indy, seven of Indy's 12 draft picks were senior bowl guys so kind of just gives you a big indication again of Baller loves senior bowl participants uh that's a huge thing for them and uh juju brents definitely is no different uh amazing athlete great intangibles you know great high character kid guy literally lives like 15 minutes away from indianapolis so i mean it's not like he's a far drive uh He's talking about when he got drafted. He said, I, I literally live right uh, next door. I might as well just go to the facility right now. Like, that's what I'm capable of doing. So, you know, it's it's awesome. Uh, really glad to get somebody like that in the building. Again, just like Anthony Richardson, if you can refine his technique and you can get him at where you want him to be, there it could be one of the better corners in all of the NFL. Yeah, all the physical tools are there. You just got to refine him, grow him a little bit, throw him out there and let him learn. I think that's kind of how, how how he's going to grow and as a player and maybe hopefully turn into that guy. But the immeasurables are, are just crazy. The measurables are wild with Julius Brents. I mean, 9.99 RAS score, we already know all that. But uh, just a guy that you know fills a huge need at corner with the departure of Gilmore and Faceon and free agency um, and just you know really pencil in maybe as that number two outside corner, depending what happens with Isaiah Rogers, but certainly will play a lot, I think, early and often. So, all right, um, let's move on now to the third round. Picks number 79 overall, the Indianapolis Colts fill another need. Uh, they, they draft North Carolina wide receiver Josh Downs here in the third round. Talk to me about him. Dude, I mean, I think everyone has fell in love with the idea of Josh Downs with Anthony Richardson, right, from the – emotional phone call that we've seen on video so many times uh just his play on the field uh i mean everyone loved the pickup of josh downs to indianapolis at 79 uh it just made absolute sense and everyone was in shock by it uh i i can't believe he's on our team and 
again, he's going to, he's going to change a lot of things for Indianapolis. And we talked about it saying how Josh Downs is a wide receiver that almost never Chris Ballard would have suggested uh, if it wasn't for the fact of Shane Steichen pounding away at the idea of what Josh Downs can be in an offensive system like Shane Steichen. So I love it. I think he's going to be a great player for Indianapolis going forward. He might end up surprising a lot of people with just how productive he can actually be. Yep. Definitely is a guy that uh, I think fits really well with what the Colts want to do. Like you mentioned, um, it may take some snaps away from a guy like Isaiah McKenzie, but you know what? I would rather that happen than the other. Uh, so Josh Downs, right. I think, is going to be a guy that's going to factor into this offense. It could be one of the guys that could uh, play a really significant role in this offense and with Anthony Richardson and all that stuff. And, you know, it's funny. He does things so well um, in the short to intermediate game, which is ironically enough where Anthony Richardson had his struggles last year. So, you know, he can really help. I think these two can help each other in a lot of ways. So I think it's a good pairing here. And we, we already know about how these guys are already building that camaraderie, um, you know, even before training camp starts. They're already throwing together. They're doing things. And it's exciting. It's exciting to see for sure. So, all right, let's move on now. Today, uh, number three here, the Colts had two fourth-round picks, and they had a ton of fifth-round picks. Oh, my goodness. They had, what, four fourth, fifth-round picks. So, wow, they had six picks in rounds four and five. Um, with the first pick in the fourth round, the Colts went and addressed the offensive tackle position. They took a BYU offensive tackle, Blake Freeland, six foot seven, very athletic, a little bit like small in terms of weight, but he's a guy that can definitely build onto that frame. And I really think it's going to develop into a nice swing tackle from day number one. Talk to me about Blake Freeland here. Yeah. I mean, again, a athletic tackle with an insane frame that Indianapolis just sat back and was like, okay, um, what, what we want to do in an offensive scheme and how he is athletically and frame wise just made a lot of sense for Indy to take that. And especially with, you know, your tackle depth situation, uh, it's important to have somebody like that because it, it really hurt you last year, not having that. So Ballard took a chance on the guy who has that potential to do more. So I like the Blake Freeland pick. Uh, I love the frame, the fact that he's six, eight, so he's huge, uh, has the ability to use that in a multitude of different ways. He still has some things that he needs to work on and getting stronger. But at the end of the day, uh, really awesome that they were able to get Blake Freeland and they were able to, uh, acquire that tackle depth that was hurting them at the beginning of last year. Yep, for sure. That's a need that I think a lot of people didn't really think. They People were thinking more interior, but I do think tackle was a big need uh, with, with what you struggled in last year when Matt Pryor really was bad. And, you know, Bernard Ryman got kind of thrown out there a lot earlier than I think a lot of people were expecting, which ended up, ended up actually working out. But, uh, yeah, you definitely had a big need on the tackle position there. So I think that was definitely a good one for Indianapolis. And then the Colts came back a couple picks later. They took Northwestern defensive tackle Aditamiwa Adabwari. Uh, I mean, a guy there that's a little bit shorter than I think we're used to seeing from a three-tech and a guy kind of of his size. But he's got long arms. He's very athletic. And he's a guy that I think a lot of people were sitting there like, how in the world is this guy still here? you know, in the hundreds, uh, talk to me about him and kind of what he can provide there as he kind of factors into probably that backup three tech behind Buckner. Yeah. Uh, very interesting with Adetami walk. Cause like you said, he's a little bit smaller at the defensive tackle position than what you maybe would like, but I mean, just take Aaron Donald into consideration. I mean, Aaron Donald is, you know, very, is by all standards, a small dude. Uh, but, I mean, the strength grid of an Aaron Donald is crazy. So it's at that same thing. And when it comes to Adetamiwa, he's he's uh, insanely fast, too. I mean, the fastest 40 time for a guy that weighs 280 pounds uh, in the last 20 years. So truly incredible, the strength and the speed of a guy that's that size. So... I'm really excited for it. Um, obviously, the Colts didn't want to pass up on him. I don't know 
what had him drop. I'm not 100% sure of it because, you know, everyone was grading him out as a second-round draft pick, but yet somehow the Colts were able to get him in the fourth. Uh, I don't know if it was just because no team thought it was worth taking a chance on a kid that just, you know, production-wise just didn't match his athletic ability, but, I mean, he's got something in him that a lot of other teams just do not. So, I'm happy with it. I love it. I think he's going to be a great depth piece for this defensive line, especially on the interior going forward. Yeah, for sure. He's a guy that's so fast for his size. Like it's wild how fast he is. Um, and I think that can actually be really interesting. I was kind of thinking about this. Like we all know Buckner. He's got the size. He's got the strength. He's just a beast of a man. But like Adetami Wall, while he does have that stuff as well, he is so quick. Like, and that's going to be hard for offensive linemen to figure out how in the world do we stop these guys, right? It's like if I try to stop him with pure power, I can't. If I try to stop Buckner with finesse, I can't. Like, you know, it's just all, it's a lot of, you know, we talk all the time about different positions and, you know, kind of the, the different versatility and, you know, the, the wide receiver room or the corner room or whatever it is. But I think in the defensive line room, there is, you know, definitely some versatility here as well that I think is big and honestly, man, can create some mismatches for some def- for some offensive linemen. So I'm interested to see kind of what he does and, you know, kind of what he can provide because you knew, we talked about it earlier, Derek, right? Because you really didn't have a whole lot of backup quality backup interior defensive lineman last year that really played some quality snaps and could help out with Buckner and Grover. And he's a guy that I feel like can factor in and can step in and can help these guys get a little bit more rest and can help them be more fresh down the stretch. And when the season gets, cause it is a long season. And when the season does kind of, or, you know, get near the end, these guys are a lot more fresh than maybe they felt in a long time. So I really do think he's he's a guy that can provide some quality snaps and can give some much needed rest to Buckner, Grover, and all those guys. Yep, absolutely. All right, let's move on now. Colts had, like I mentioned, four fifth round picks. We'll run through them real quickly. Uh, first off, South Carolina cornerback Darius Rush, a guy that we did not expect to be there so late as well. I mean, another steal, I think, from what people would say. I mean, he's a physical, long corner. Um, he's got everything that you're looking for. He's got the athleticism. You know, he I thought he's played pretty well at South Carolina. You know, we know that they they produced some pretty good corners the last couple of years. So, I mean, a guy here that you really add and you double dip at corner. Then you got Daniel Scott, uh, another DB. Um, this guy out of Cal probably plays special teams right away. A little bit older. He's like 24 years old, but he's got some physical tools that you like and you think maybe he could contribute, certainly on special teams, but maybe. Who knows? Maybe he could see the field a little bit more than maybe we're giving him credit for. Um, then the Colts went tight end Will Mallory at pick number 162. And then they rounded out the fifth round, pick 176, right? Stefan Gilmore won with Northwestern running back Evan Hall. So Adebowari's teammate there. Talk to me about these fifth round picks and kind of what you saw from them. Um, well, I was able to talk with, uh, tight end Will Mallory and talk with running back Evan Hall. So I love, uh, the responses from both of them, especially Hall, you know, these guys have great character and it just makes a lot of sense why all of these guys selected in the fifth round have this because they're all high character guys. Uh, and you love the idea of what you can get out of a, uh, Darius rush too, because again, was a huge pick that everyone wanted. And I know you were calling it before we had it, uh, that that was what we wanted because, you know, that's a Ballard type corner right there. Six foot two, you know, a guy that can, or six foot one, a guy that can, you know, run a four, uh, three. So athletic freak, great, uh, frame, you know, played in a great conference, you know, was productive. I mean, it's one of those situations that you feel really good about with the Darius rush. So, you have a bunch of great depth here. Again, getting corners and then getting a backup running back who maybe can fill out that last roster spot. Uh, tight end that maybe sneaks his way into the group because of how great of a uh, athletic uh, receiving tight end that he is. And a couple other things as well. So I, I like the fifth round. I think it was a great one for Indianapolis. Uh, great for depth and everything else. Yep, absolutely. I, I thought it was a pretty good round for them, all things considered. 
Colts still had a couple more picks. It was certainly a crazy day three for Indianapolis. I think we were pretty dead by the end of it. I tell you what. Um, all right. Uh, the Colts have three more picks here. Six round. They, ta- they take Wagner defensive and Titus Leo, probably a guy that, you know, factors into the practice squad from day one. I could definitely could see that. He's got some athletic traits. He plays extremely hard from a smaller school. We know Ballard's had some some success from guys with smaller schools in the past that he's brought in, you know, in day three. Um, Titus Leo, Jalen Jones, another guy, another corner here out of Texas A&M, a guy that's, you know, I thought was a – Surprising that he was here as well, as far down as he was, especially considering you know the conference he plays in, and also the fact that I thought he looked pretty. He was pretty productive from everything that we've seen, and uh, he was a pretty good corner overall. And we'll see how he factors in. And then finally, in, in the last pick, they had two thirty-six overall. They took Northern Michigan offensive tackle Jake Witt, so they double dip at OT, and they get another big body frame guy that can put on some weight, get stronger. Talk to me about these last three picks here. Yeah, again, just, you know, the Colts going with more depth at every position and getting those athletic guys that have those frames that, you know, fit the mold of what Indianapolis tries to get. So, again, uh, Jake Witt especially, I think, will end up being the fourth tackle amongst the group. Uh, Jalen Jones, we'll have to see how he does throughout training camp and all these other guys. I mean, it's going to be fun to watch – these back end guys and see who is going to remain on the roster. Cause you know, we, we see a lot of these guys for Ballard specifically. We know that the day three guys have just as much of a chance of making this roster as anyone else based off of how Ballard likes to draft these guys. So it'll be fun to watch with all these guys competing against each other. I mean, the fact that the Colts have drafted two of their starters last year in round six and seven should tell you everything, right? Rodney Thomas last year, Isaiah Rogers in 2020. That's why I think, man, Jalen Jones has a real chance, I think, to play. Like, I really do think he does. I think, like, with their history, they probably should take a corner or a DB in day three about every single draft at this point. Like, with how much success they've had, why not? You know, if there's a guy there you love, take him. Because they've had success. I mean, we talk about different positions they haven't really hit on, but I would say linebacker and DB for Chris Ballard, he has killed in day three, especially. Yep. A hundred percent. I mean, there's very few, there's very few GMs that hit better on their day three picks than Chris Ballard does. Uh, Mm -hmm. Ironically enough, he hits on his day three picks better than his day two picks. Uh, (laughs) As as time goes. So I know there's more picks uh, from the, uh, from day three, of course, but um but it just seems like a lot more of our temporary or permanent starters on our team tend to come from day three picks. It feels like, so, you know, like I said, if you're, if you're a guy and you, and you get drafted by the Indianapolis Colts, it it does not matter where you get drafted at. Just know Ballard picks you for a reason. And if you're getting picked day three, it does not matter. We know that as a day three pick, we know you got something in you that Ballard really likes. And, we tend to find one or two of them every year that end up doing really well on that. So hopefully we do the same thing this year. Yep, for sure. So guys, that is in a, in a nutshell. <laughs> we could have probably gone on for a lot longer, but we're, we're approaching an hour here. Guys, that is overall the Colts offseason recap. Also, just wanted to add, they did release Nick Foles a couple days ago as well. So uh, that should be about it, though, guys, honestly, for, um, you know, this Colts offseason recap, they did. I forgot to mention they did bring in some undrafted free agents. Go, so I won't go name all of them right now. But guys, if you want to go check that out, made a video a couple of days ago on those guys a little bit more. So go check out that video, and we'll see if any of those guys contribute and maybe make the final fifty-three man. But that'll do it for this one, guys. Thank you so much for tuning in. Really appreciate it. And as always, guys, go Colts. Yeah.